0: a heart so filled with anger and hate, there's no room for anything else. And that's kind of what I wished to to bring out at the end of that book, because one of my characters goes through that.
1: Welcome to History Through Fiction, the podcast. I'm your host, Colin Mustville, and today I am delighted to be joined by Dale Swanson, author of the novels The 39th Man and Tears of Sorrow.
0: That's one of the things that, that uh, I really enjoy doing. I enjoy digging out facts that aren't normally known.
1: Swanson is an award-winning published author, poet, screenwriter, and playwright. His novels weave fictional events around historical facts, creating a tapestry filled with accurate depictions of people from Minnesota's past. His debut novel, The 39th Man, was listed by the Star Tribune as a Best Book Read in 2013. Additionally, Swanson has been a contributing writer to magazines and various publications. Finally, he is the author of a middle-grade fiction book titled The Wild Ways, Mystery of the Hanging Tower, and most recently, he has authored a memoir titled Simpler Times. I'd like to begin with the U.S.-Dakota War of 1862. Now, for listeners who don't know the history, I wonder if you could briefly describe what it is and then tell us how you became interested in that history.
0: Well, the U.S.-Dakota War of 1862 was a result of bad treaties, a result of the white population moving west. It was uh, the result of basically um, conquest of the west. Uh, The Indians had been treated so poorly. Uh, War finally developed and it was a very short war. It was only a few months. But it was deadly for uh, for a lot of settlers and for an unknown number of Indians. But I've always had an interest in the Indian culture and the Native American people. I just got um, so enthralled with it that I decided I was going to write a short just a, a short story about a native. And I wanted this native to be representative of the nobility that I see within those people. So that I chose a native that I started to write a story about. During my process of research, I came across the autobiography of Lawrence Tolliver and I read it. And upon reading that, I decided, holy cow, there are a lot of things that I did not know about this time period. And I made a commitment to myself that I would write this with my fictional character, but I would move him through factual happenings of the time. And so it took an awful lot of of research to get this all done, but it took exactly a well on the area of six years for me to write this thing <laughs> basically basically, it was because you get led astray during this research process, and so many things are of interest that you find yourself way off base, so you have to draw yourself back in and concentrate on what you really trying to do
1: mm-hmm. so uh, tolliver was an, an indian agent at fort snelling is that that's right
0: yeah lawrence tolliver was the very first indian agent out here at fort snelling uh it was then known as the northwest territory and he was appointed at, to that post by a uh, president james monroe and it so happened that Monroe and the Tolliver family, who was from the east coast they they were they were known to each other. The Tolliver family goes way back. they're from as you may know by the name it's italian, and they they go way back. they fought in the you know in every war that the the United States has been in, that America has fought in.
1: So was it difficult for you with with six years of research, was it difficult for you to pick and choose what facts to include in your fictional narrative? And did you find yourself having to to change anything in order to to fit the story?
0: You know, it's really funny, Colin, that this is the first book I've I've written. Uh, I wrote a lot of short pieces and I've gone to classes where I write short, bits and pieces basically but i think that i didn't i didn't have a problem and and it was almost almost one of these ethereal and it was just it happened and it almost it almost created a life of its own it it led me my research led me in certain directions and I just they they just fell fell in place when I realized I was going way off base on some research. I would draw myself back in and for instance um the the rifle that I have one of my characters using. I did some research because I knew that they would have to they would have to have something this guy that that's in that first book was just a little a little man. He was short but he became a very feared bounty hunter and he did that because of a particular rifle that he had and so i went into some depth of explaining this rifle why he got it how he got it and the result of him having that Uh, when i first started writing on that when i came to that part of my story. I almost thought about turning it over um like oh some some things you see in the in the movies about the life of a gun where it starts out here and that person gets killed and it and it, the, the gun moves to another owner but I gave that up. I that wasn't at all <laughs> what this book was supposed to be about. So um that's what my my research did lead me on a lot of things that convinced me, well, I want to use that in the book. And so the result is an awful lot of history and a lot of history that isn't in the textbooks.
1: Well, I wanted to actually ask you more about that. I wrote it down, the Henry 44 caliber level action repeating rifle, because I found that so interesting, the specificness of it, and I thought, you know, there is the, the research of trying to get the people down and the events down and the dates, but then you go so much further into the things that they wore and they that they ate and the guns that they used. Uh, was that difficult for you to to do? go beyond just the facts into those little bits and pieces of how they lived?
0: No, not at all. I didn't find it difficult. Um, uh, to me, that's where a lot of the interest in the story lies in the in the things that, they're factual, but they fold right in with my fictional story. At that point in time, when that gun was, was made, it was in the early 1860s. Um, that gun was made, and at about the same time, a Spencer carbine rifle was, was used by the cavalry. But the other one, it, it, it when you when you cocked the Spencer rifle, you would have to pull the hammer back every every time you cocked the shell into the, the bullet into the chamber. But on this other one, uh, you could shoot without ever having to pull the hammer back. It, you you cock it and the hammer's back, and you aim and you shoot. So it it the firepower was much greater with that rifle, and I thought this is what the guy needs. Because without that, there's nothing special about him at all, but he became very feared
1: because of his ability to use that rifle. Mm-hmm. So your your debut novel, The 39th Man, it ends with the U.S. Dakota War, and there's a lot of context leading up to that and how that happened. But then your second novel goes even further, I think, with the, the expansiveness of the history going all the way from the U.S. Dakota War to the massacre at Wounded Knee Creek in 1890, was that? Tell me about the process of parsing that history down and making it into a story.
0: Well, in the first, the first book that I wrote was intended to be the only book on that subject. Um, uh, there were a lot of people that asked me well when is the next one going to come out we're going to carry this to through to the end and it became such a such a um it, it there were so many people asking me to do that that i said oh okay well, I'll, I'll give it a shot and so i went through the same process with that only to be honest with you colin that second book i had to cut about 80 pages and almost almost Eighty thousand words out of that second book because I had it started in a different place and it ended at mm-hmm. Wounded Knee, but I had a lot of other things that came into play. Mm-hmm. Uh, a, a lot of things that I um, <laughs> I'm I'm not very grateful to my to my editor because I sent I sent her the second one I thought it was really good. And it, if you've noticed on on those those two books. I have a tendency to jump from one character at a at a point in time and then move to another character at that same point in time, and because these guys are going to meet up eventually, um, and that's my mindset when I'm writing that type of a when that type of a novel. And so my editor got all over me on the second book because holy cow, I was going to Grant as a president um to all all over the place i thought it was good i thought it was well done but uh i changed it i just you know i got tired of okay well then i'll just wipe all that out of there so i wiped it all out and instead i used footnotes at the end of the second book to to tell some of the story that i removed the dis the you know the destruction of the buffalo herd and the just the the poor treat the poor way that the natives were treated and uh, so I just I just wrote the story and I took a lot of that stuff out and it mainly followed the main cast of characters through the whole process.
1: Well, it sounds like maybe you've got a whole other novel there waiting on your shelf.
0: Well, as a matter of fact, I do. I really do. I'm, I'm, I'm working on a as a follow-up on, on, on that kid. I also wrote a children's book uh-huh. and that was pretty well received. So uh, that one, I promised uh, I would uh, do a follow-up on that one. And I, and I haven't yet. It's not coming to me real easily like the others seem to, but so, yeah, I know I've got, I've got plenty of, plenty of stuff for another book. Um, without doing a whole lot of research, too, I think.
1: Yeah. Well, so I've asked you about some of the history. I wonder if you can talk a little bit now about your characters. I know you have a cast of characters in the front of the of, of um, Tears of Sorrow that kind of says, you know, this these are fictional, these are non-fictional. Tell me about developing your fictional characters, especially your main character, Anton McAllister.
0: Okay, yeah, that's in The 39th Man. Um, okay. Anton McAllister is a character that is just kind of a fragment of my imagination. I, I brought him in because I wanted my main protagonist in the novel. I wanted to to show him as uh, he was very athletic. Uh, he was uh, you a know, good looking guy. He was um, carried himself well. And those were all the traits that his father had, but his father also had a bad trait where he was unreliable, he was a drunkard, he, was, uh, he didn't care about anybody but himself. And so I wanted to show that because the Indian woman that his father raped and he was the result of that rape she was a very kind person. she was uh just the opposite of of the father and she raised anton by himself by herself and she dies when he's only thirteen years old and he had already he was already uh, he had the looks and the build of his father, but he had the he had the uh wherewithal of his of his mother his one failing was an incendiary temper so that's what McAllister, anton my primary character that was that was his main drawback hmm.
1: did it take multiple drafts to to develop that kind of a character background
0: yeah i did i when i when i write um i know i'm sure it's different than what a lot of people do um I'll write it, and I want to make it as accurate as I can the first time through. My my grammar, my sense of punctuation is very poor, really very poor, and so I I, I need an editor for that. But um, I I try to I try to make the story, I try to make it weave in and out, and I bring my characters in and out of certain circumstances where they are true things that happened and that's that's one of the things that that uh, i really enjoy doing i enjoy digging out facts that aren't normally known and you know that there was a lot of things that are known about colonel snelling for instance um and there was a a situation at the fort that was pretty unique and there were there were a lot of things that i found that Aren't publicized, you know that aren't really well known. So that's I think that's kind of where I enjoy doing that. I enjoy doing that kind of writing. So that my idea, my idea is if I can write something that somebody can sit down and enjoy reading. And on that particular book, there were a lot of uh, I had a lot of feedback saying they had trouble putting it down, and I know that sounds like a <laughs> a pile of dung, but um, it, it was easy to read, uh, probably sixth or eighth grade reading, so it's, it's easy to read, um, and it's, I, I get a lot of pleasure out of trying to give the feel as though you were there, you know, the smell, the odors, the, the texture of things, and th- those types of things that everybody says you should have.
1: Well, they, so, they, yeah, they definitely flow nicely and um, quickly, they're kind of quick reads almost, but, but then you also add in a lot of those those facts that, that people wouldn't know about, and a lot of real descriptive details about the, the landscape that I think is nice.
0: Well, thank you, I appreciate that. Yeah, I think that's maybe one of, one of my strongest um, gifts is to be able to do that. Because I think it's important I think it's really important if I say a guy is sitting on a on a rock on a hillside and he's looking down into this valley well that's what <laughs> that would be enough. It tells you he's on a rock looking down in a valley, but I like to elaborate on what he sees and and as the the sweat runs down his edge of his nose and
1: drips and you know mm-hmm. those types of things visceral details. Yeah. so so the your, your second novel is is about the the Black Hills essentially and and what happened there with discovering gold and the Battle of Little Bighorn and all and you know, those things that followed. Did you have you spent much time in the Black Hills yourself? Yes, I had.
0: I have relatives that live in the Black Hills. My father's brother's family lives out there. So I have many cousins. Uh, I have many cousins that live as a matter of fact I have one cousin that lives on the Bozeman Trail out in Wyoming. So there was a lot of there were a lot of people that uh, that I know in the Black Hills and did a lot of a lot of research a lot of uh, everything about that area besides what I know but I think that it's important that if I'm going to write something I'm going to write something that I know about and that allows me to, to you know make make those observations.
1: So having seen what Native peoples went through during that time period between 1862 and 1890 and the, the loss of land, what do you think today about the Native right to the Black Hills?
0: Well, I know it's a touchy subject, that's for sure. Um, they they had it stolen from them. That's also a fact. Uh, they've gotten such a bum rap uh, all, the way, all the way along on this deal it's you know it's a, it's a difficult thing and I, and I can't really weigh in on it because I understand I understand that the hills themselves now are um, they're very important to the country but they were very important to the people that had them too and it's you know it's it's just a it's a so hard a thing and i and i can't i really don't have i don't have an answer for that i wish i did
1: well what do you think about just the the way you've shared that history with your novel do you think that can have an impact for for readers
0: i hope it can and i hope it does um on that second book um uh, when i brought to the Protagonists out to the Black Hills. Yeah, if you read that second one, then you know uh, you know about the the son of Anton, his adopted son, that gets to know Crazy Horse quite well, and he turns on uh, on his family because he sees how badly. The red man was treated out there so when i end the book i sincerely hope and pray that my ending may affect some people in a positive
1: manner Mm -hmm. to sort of start asking questions and, and maybe doing some more research themselves
0: yeah maybe maybe getting to their inner self um I try to stress the importance of uh, trying to forgiveness. Forgiveness is a very important thing. And there is a very, 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 very strong trait uh, within the the Sioux nation, not just Dakota or Lakota, but all of them, um, where they'll they'll never forget and they should never forget what happened but with a heart so filled with anger and hate there's no room for anything else and that's kind of what i wished to to bring out at the end of that book because one of my characters goes through that that situation that problem
1: i think that's well said so, yeah. yeah
0: well thank you i it really is it it really is the the real reason that uh, one of the real reasons that I did that second book. See, I got involved here in a in a uh, a group that's uh, a nonprofit, and I, and it's a native group, and um, I learned a lot while I was with them. I learned a whole lot about about um, their you know what they believe. They're very 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 close in belief to christians they're very close um to each other uh they've all suffered in a, in a like manner some people can can kind of put that behind them others can't and it's the ones that can't that uh have most of the pain and it's 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 just it's sad to see
1: well, you know, I think some of that that trauma and that pain that that'll never go away. But certainly, it's important to to listen and to to work together toward a future that's that doesn't have the same same mistakes that the past did.
0: Well, you got it right. That's exactly right.
1: Well, so we've been talking about your novels and about history, but it turns out you're quite a prolific author. You have a middle grade fiction, you have poetry, and, and most recently, uh, a memoir. So tell us about some of the other writing that you do.
0: Well, I just uh, really enjoy getting into it, doing a lot of different things. I, When I first, actually, when I first started writing, um, it was my my mother and father were getting up in, in years. My father passed away. Um, I was so fortunate when I grew up where I grew up. I grew up in Mound, Minnesota, um, on an island. It's Island Park. It was uh, about 500 acres. So there were a lot of families that lived there. But when I lived there, it was all wild. <laughs> my, my kids' books, is right from that area Uh, my my the latest book that i wrote simpler times a memoir that was uh, in honor of my parents i wanted my mother to to know how much i appreciated the life that they had given me and so i started to write these as i said before these little vignettes and i would read them to her and she loved it and then I decided, you know, it's time my mother died. Um, I have two children, a boy and a girl, and I have four granddaughters by the boy and the girl. Um, I wanted them to know what it was like, how wonderful my life had been at that time. And so that's the reason that I wrote that. I got involved in the Ancestry and that, brought forth a lot of things within me and my grandkids won't know anything about it so i really wanted them to learn what it was like the the joys i had as a kid growing up and it's there's some pretty good stories because uh we were let's just say during that period of time you could get away with things you could never get away with now sure but you know stuff like uh, having having uh, wild pets. I I was one of these guys that go through the woods. I was in the woods all day, either the the woods or the lake, and uh, come home with baby squirrels, come home with baby birds, come home with all this kind of. Never had any luck with rabbits, but my mother was one of those people that allowed me to do this. In fact. Uh, she loved a squirrel that we had probably better than anything else. I had a raccoon that could open the doors by himself, come in, go into his bread drawer, get his food. So my my range of experience, I guess, geez, I'm I'm pretty old. I've done a lot of things, and uh, I think it. I just wanted uh, on the on that memoir thing. I wanted I wanted my grandkids to to see what
1: life was like then. I can see why why you call it at uh, simpler times.
0: Yes, yeah, it was, you know, you could be gone and we were, we would be gone from the moment, the moment we woke up sometimes until lunchtime. And we had a blessing. They had volunteer fire department there and they had a, a fire siren you could hear all over the island, and they would blow that at noon and five o'clock. Mm-hmm. And so when we heard the siren, we knew it was time to go home, and we would go and just play all day long. Wow. So we, yeah, we did, uh, it was just the most wonderful, most wonderful childhood a person could ever ask for. So yeah. I, I am I am very lucky, Colin, very, very fortunate.
1: Well, I'm curious. So after hearing about your your experience writing novels and working with an editor, uh, was it how was it for you learning creative nonfiction in order to write a memoir? And did you work with another editor for that?
0: Uh, no, the memoir I did not. I had a classmate, a high school classmate, that um, she was a real standout in English class, and she knows she knows punctuation. She's a grammar person. And so she's been she when I get done writing it, I send it to her and she does she says, Well yeah, boink donk doink doink dunk. There's a lot of areas here that I have to add a comma, remove a comma, you know, put in the right punctuation and pretty much, I mean it, it's she never changes the story at all. But the first very first book I had, I had no idea whether that was going to be any good or not. You know, the that Indian book that 39th man. And I needed, I needed someone to help me with it. I had sent out drafts. I bet you I probably sent out 50. And nobody was interested. Nobody was interested. So, well, okay, this is a problem. <laughs> so I went to a local press here. It's North Star Press. And um, they, they, Told me to come in. I went in and talked to them, and they said, "Yeah, we wanna we wanna do your book." So they did. Uh, it didn't cost me anything. Uh, I didn't make anything <laughs> because the, the the lion's share of everything went to them, as it should. And you know, I I have I I'm, I would do it exactly the same way over again. The they they did it. I I hired an editor. That editor made the changes i sent it the very first copy i sent to north star press they were interested and they published the book for me and that made me realize that my writing was not wasn't up to par right off of my desk i had to have somebody edit it and so i did and i i've learned that was better than i think 2013 so I, I've and I learned since then a lot of things and I've um, gotten a lot better at a lot of things but I would recommend to anyone that's thinking that they want to write I took I took I've taken classes at the loft I've been a member at the loft literary center here in Minneapolis for probably 15 years um, I've taken creative writing classes at when we lived in Michigan, Dearborn, the University of Michigan Dearborn, I took creative writing there. Um, but those were just individual classes uh, at, at the loft. I, I, there were classes that would weekly, and they would go on for two, three months. So I learned. It's been a it's been a learning process, but I've always been fortunate enough that I somehow can somehow can can lay out a story that seems to be interesting. Um, and I think that's a blessing. I'm, well, I'm certainly
1: not very good at grammar. Well, I, you're, there are proofreaders for that. So I think that's okay. But it's, it's definitely a process. And, and I can attest to that myself. Um, so you did say you were working on a few things. Um, are you working on several projects right now or just honing in on one?
0: No, as a matter of fact, I have too many going, to be honest, Colin. Right now, um, I'm interested in a screenplay of that very book, The 39th Man. Uh, it's been recommended to me by many people to do that. But, you know, that's a whole different skill set uh, to, to write a screenplay. And I, I did write one for that, for the um, I told you I was working for that nonprofit group here yeah they filmed they filmed a short you know short movie on uh, based on a screenplay I wrote for them but uh, now with all this streaming activity there is a big call so any of your listeners there is a big call for screenplays for series uh, for limited series. In all the genres. So I, right now, yeah, right now I'm working on a, on a screenplay for for the 39th Man. Well, it's it's don't over yeah don't it, over come the fruition.
1: It's it's good timing and and you've proven successful at adapting to different genres. So yeah, I think that's that's great.
0: Well, I guess you know all I can do is send it in and have nobody respond. And that's not the worst thing either.
1: No. Well, I've been talking with Dale Swanson, author of the novels The 39th Man and Tears of Sorrow and his most recent book, a memoir, Simpler Times. Dale, thank you so much.
0: You're very, very welcome. I appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, I've uh gee, I've I have relatives that live out there. And oh there that goes. The relatives live out there and they uh revisited them quite often. I'm sorry that other thing is oh, crying out loud.